The Jen, Gabe and Chewy podcast is sponsored by Celsius Energy Drink, and I am here to tell you it makes a huge difference in my mornings. With a unique blend of essential energy and key vitamins, Celsius is your partner to an active lifestyle. My favorite, the peach vibe. Learn more at Celsius.com and pick up Celsius Energy Drinks today. Showtime. The right way to start your day. This is Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Unless you're an actual friend, like, I don't want to walk through the office today. If somebody goes, hey, how's it going? I'm not going to, like, dump all of my problems on you. I don't know how you work. For me, if we make eye contact during the day, not at night, but during the day, out of human decency, I acknowledge you. So that's what I did. We made eye contact, and I go, how you doing? All right, so you have a problem going to Home Depot and walking across a person says, hi. And my natural response is, hi, how are you doing? If I'm that random person... You don't want the dump? My answer to you is, oh, I'm fine, thank you. And he goes, uh, I'm going to Virginia next week. Are you telling me that? He goes, you said, how you doing when you got here? I had to think about it. If someone at Home Depot said I'm not doing well, I'd be like, well, what's wrong? Like, I mean, <laughs> Maybe I can help. There are two acceptable answers to how you're doing. Fine and great. You would take that person and put them on a top shelf at Home Depot wow. and leave them there. What a lie. This is Jen, Gabe, and Chewy, broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All Studios at the Avenue with Gabe Neitzel and Mark Chamora. Here's Jen Latta. She wants to ride it. She's trying to hide it. I'm cool as ever. She's too excited. Her man looks like he want to fight. He ain't doing nothing but running his mouth. Talk about it. We all about it. So I'm listening to KBN yesterday afternoon. And the yip yaps. I love that. Are talking about their panic level. For the Green Bay Packers not having a defensive coordinator yet. And I'm thinking, well, if this stands tomorrow morning, we should do our Seinfeld scale of concern. How concerned are you that the Packers have not yet hired a defensive coordinator? Yada, yada, yada. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or I'm freaking out. Or I'm a little stressed, right? Those are our Seinfeld scale of concern levels. Good news, we don't have to do that this morning because the Packers have, in fact, hired a defensive coordinator as they announced last night. Jeff Halfley is the former head coach of the squad at Boston College. You're familiar with his work, aren't you, Chu, as a Boston College alum? Yeah, when they win. <laughs> Wait, what What year did you go out there to be inducted into the Hall of Fame? Ah, uh, that was a long time ago. Two, okay. Two, 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 I don't know, two, ten? Two ten. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought he was I, gonna say two years ago. I thought it was more recent. I thought it was the chance no. that he was like twenty twenty and he was out there. No, no. So, I get invited all the time. So Chu, here's the go. thing. I don't want to bust your chops too much because I feel like you <laughs> Well, ordinarily yeah, I would take the opportunity. <laughs> but I think to be fair, Chewy saying who is what everyone else was saying when Jeff Halfley was hired. Look, we saw the list of guys who we thought were in the mix for the defensive coordinator gig for the Green Bay Packers. Brandon Stanley, Staley was on the list. Stanley, what am I? What is it? One of those cups? One of those cups? Those big cups that people walk around with? Don't need to get Brandon that. It's a separate Staley, topic. Christian Parker, Bobby Babich, um, Zach Orr. We had talked about Zach yesterday. Denard Wilson. Jeff Halfley was not on anyone's list. Not anywhere, not like even near any defensive coordinator list. Oh, you mean amongst other amongst teams other in teams? The league? Because sure. some of these people, and, and maybe this was part of the reason why the Yip Yaps were a little, you know, nervous yesterday. Because some of these names on the list were being gobbled up across the league, right? 
And that's what they were saying. They were saying, this guy has gone there, so he's off the list. This guy has gone there. This guy is staying where he is. And and yes, there was a chance that the Packers would end up empty-handed because all of those positions would be filled and the guy that they wanted would have gone somewhere else because they were taking their sweet time. I get it. But not the case at all. Matt LaFleur's back there wheeling and dealing and bringing in Jeff Halfley. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a Zoom interview. I guess we could try to find out as the day goes on. But gets Jeff Halfley, and now we're all going, well, who the heck is Jeff Halfley? So, Gabe, when you were doing your research about who the new Packers defensive coordinator is, what stood out to you? uh, It doesn't seem like there is anybody saying anything bad about him. And not that anybody would, but what I remember from the Joe Barry hiring, I don't remember anybody going, oh, that's a really good hire for Green Bay. Like, I don't remember any talking heads going, yep, going to really like this guy. I don't remember any former players or anybody finding any clip anywhere of a former player that played for Joe Barry when he was a defensive coordinator to Detroit or Washington going, man, this guy's defensive mind. It's unbelievable. We just let him down. This guy's really good. Like I don't remember any of that. But people were coming out of the woodwork yesterday to say how much they liked this hire. And that was your big takeaway. That was, was my big takeaway. I don't know the guy, not really familiar with his work, but those who are seem optimistic or positive about it. Chu, why will this work? Why will hiring Jeff Halfley, former Boston College head coach, work? Well, I don't know if it's going to work. This is kind of the guy I wanted. I didn't want a 32-year-old, uh, what was he, linebacker's coach who was quality control three years ago. Not to say he's not a good coach, but I think when you – when you have a window that's open, I don't think you want to roll the dice on a guy like that. And I, and I, what did I say it yesterday, the day before? You want a guy with some defensive coordinator experience, so you have a sample size there. And this guy seems pretty good. I mean, he was he was at Ohio State for one year and turned that defense around to the point where they were, I believe, number one in college football. And then he goes to Boston College. And he comes from kind of the tree, wherever Shanahan and, uh, you know, all those uh, Sala. I mean, they all coach together, so they know what type of scheme he's going to run. I don't know if it's going to work out, but I like the resume. I do. This is this is kind of the guy I wanted. You know, I didn't want to retread. I don't think any of us wanted to retread. And we, I don't want a first-time defensive coordinator when your window is open. So I think this is a very good hire. This does f- kind of thread the needle that you were talking about yesterday, Chu. Like, it's, it's okay, how do you find that guy? Because finding a guy who's not a retread but somehow still has D.C. experience seemed impossible when you said it yesterday. When you said it yesterday, I thought, no, like that, you're not going to get that guy. You're going to have to either take a big risk at some, you know, and hope that a new guy works out or... But, I mean, this is this is somebody who has had defensive coordinator experience at the college level. How much sure. does that make a difference? Well, I mean, we're talking about Jimmy Leonard, right? I yeah. mean, and very you were similar. disparaging Jimmy, Jimmy Leonard. Jimmy, Jimmy played in the league, played under some really good defensive coordinators. He didn't coach in the league, but um, it, it's kind of along those lines. Yeah, look, nobody knows what you're going to get at this point in time until you see the product on the field. I like the style of defense he supposedly plays. I don't think they have the personnel to do that yet. I mean, they do have it in some spots. They don't have it in all spots. But this is, to me, he seems like a guy that is going to be aggressive 
And if I get roasted for an 80-yard touchdown by Debo Samuel, I'm not going to just like, oh, God, let's just play it safe. Come right back at him. That's the kind of guy I want. Well, and again, not always is it important to look at records, right? Halfley was 22 and 26 in four seasons at Boston College. He went seven and six this last season, did get a win in a bowl game. There has been some talk about, oh, the team was bowl eligible for the last three seasons under Halfley. And if you're not one of the top tier college programs, the Alabamas, the Georgias, all of that type of stuff, then you do kind of look at bowl eligible as that next tier of success. I like what you said about him rolling in those circles, too, because there is a podcast out there with Adam Brenneman, who works for the Big Ten Network. He talked to Halfley very recently, where Halfley was talking about some of the guys that he has worked with. And that list includes Mike McDaniel, Robert Sala, Kevin O'Connell, Kyle Shanahan. I think D'Amico Ryans was also on that list. I feel like maybe we should have seen this coming. I feel like if we had done some sort of Venn diagram of all of those guys and saw, like, common denominators and, like, crossovers on the Venn diagrams, it feels almost as though Halfley's name would have emerged sort of like one of those eye books where if you look at it long enough cross-eyed, a picture pops out. Yeah, just kind of taking a look at the defensive coach roster from San Francisco circa 2016 to like 2018, would have found some names there that would have, you know, maybe been brought to our attention. But the the, the fun part is, and I, I guess it makes sense because he came, he literally came out of nowhere. Like, Jen, you could not form sentences when you were like when you first saw it because you were texting us just one word texts. You know, like I think the first one you sent was Thamel. Like, okay, yeah. what's up with Pete? Sup, Pete? <laughs> hey, what's going on with Pete? And then like the next one's defensive coordinator. Then Halfley. I'm like, I don't know who Halfley is. My pa- my tweets did say in this order: Packers, Thamel, <laughs> Halfley. And then yeah, but Josh I thought they hired Thamel as the defensive coordinator, and I'm like... We all were in one-word mode at this <laughs> yeah. point. And, and Gabe writes, wild. And I wrote, BC, Chew. And then Josh, you wrote, I'm out on him. <laughs> <laughs> Can't trust BC, guys. <laughs> and then, Chewie, you said, you said WTF, which, come on. Bravo. Yeah. Come on. Gotta show, uh, recognize the growth, right? <laughs> WTF. Are you guys talking about? <laughs> Nobody had any idea who Halfley was, but I understand why. If you are a head coach of a college program, why you'd have to move secretly, why you'd have to move in the shadows, and do probably everything in your power to prevent your name from coming out. Because if you interview for the job and then you don't get the job, good luck getting recruited. And well, yesterday it was Rob Domofsky, who I believe was on one of our shows, who said that he was hearing that there were going to be names that Matt LaFleur was interviewing that we hadn't heard. And not necessarily that that guy would get the job, but that there were interviews that were taking place that were not public knowledge yet. So that was when the antenna went up of like, oh, so it's not necessarily going to be all of these names we had heard. Go ahead, Chu. Well, I'm not going to lie. I thought his name was Hellfry. That's why it didn't <laughs> register with me. Hellfry? Which is a much better name. Than Halfley? Hellfry? Yeah. yeah. So he's flipping the L and the F? Is that what's <laughs> happening there? Yeah, uh, but he's also adding an R and an E. and It's I not even, know. I mean, I guess they both start with H and end with Y. Well, what the hell do you do in hell? You fry, right? <laughs> you get it? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yep, yep. Josh, you were saying that we have some sound that we should listen to? Yeah. I want I want Chewy's reaction to his own words here. Just please tell me it's not a Boston College alum. <laughs> we do have a track record. 
I guess he's not an alum, but... <laughs> that was about gambling, though. <laughs> we thought we could trick you. <laughs> wow. Uh, a early edition of Reachu. <laughs> and coming I was going to say, with your success on Reachu, I, I just thought I could convince you you said anything about anything. I guess my gut reaction this morning is I'm good with the hire. Yeah. I'm good with the hire because he has all of these connections to these places. Because from everybody who has spoken about him, there have been glowing reviews. I'll read to you guys... Because reading on the radio is super fun. But I'll read to you guys a snippet of what one of my colleagues who does know Halfley said about him. Halfley is the best. Truly one of my favorite coaches to cover, talk to, and learn from in meetings. His passion oozes out after you have one conversation. You're like, wow, that's a guy I'd want to play for or I would want my kids to play for. He's a defensive guru. He's very smart. Always focuses on fundamentals. Had a DC who I was also a massive fan of who's in the league now with the Panthers. Did some great things at BC to develop players and get good defense to be the standard. Those are good things, right? My colleague doesn't need to gush about a guy. You know, I don't. They they don't have to lie about it. But this was their reaction after working with him and, and covering him over the last few seasons. So, what is your reaction, Packers fans? 800-990-3776. We'll take your reaction all morning long to the Packers hiring Jeff Halfley as their new defensive coordinator. We also have Jason Wildy coming up, so he'll tell us what he knows about the process and how he feels like this will be received by the Packers fans and. Pete Thamel, who broke the news last night that Jeff Halfley is the new DC, is going to join the show. Maybe fill in some of those blanks of how this process went down. All that coming up this morning on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. All Packers, all the time. He has come light years in the last two months, and people should be over the moon excited about that. Okay, most of the time. Almonds specifically or all nuts? Well, these nuts, those nuts, whatever nuts work. It's Jason Wildy on Jen, Gabe, and Chew. Brought to you by Boucher Automotive. With 16 different new car brands and over 35 pre-owned brands to choose from. Boucher Automotive. We are driven by you. Reaction already rolling in fast and furious here on the ESPN Milwaukee Talk and Text Line. Corey saying, I'm sick of death by a thousand cuts. I'm sold on this guy. He sounds super aggressive. Ryan and Muskego also saying, love to see that he will be aggressive. I love the path this organization is on. I hope it works. I feel like Goody and LaFleur are in total control and agreement of where they want this team to go. We welcome in Jason Wildy this morning. To help us also understand the hire and what we think Jeff Halfley is going to do. Good morning, Jason. How are you today? Good. How are you guys? We're good. Before we chit-chat, I do want to play a clip from Halfley, who was on the Next Up podcast with Adam Brenneman, where he describes his defensive philosophy. I think it will be helpful for our loyal listeners to hear from the horse's mouth about what he plans to do on the field. If someone says, what is the Coach Halfley defense, what, how do you describe it? We've been more middle-closed defense with a safety in the middle of the field than probably most people in college football. Yeah. Um, most people are some type of too high quarter space, and I get it for the quarterback run game, so mm-hmm. we've had to kind of trend in that direction as well. But I've, I've done a lot. I've done a lot, at least a starting point with the middle close with four down linemen. Um, very similar to what we did in San Francisco and Ohio State, and a lot of people doing in the NFL. Um, but I've started to adapt and create different one high shells, which really play like two high shells and get extra guys in the box. Yeah. You just got to stop the quarterback run game. So it's yeah. a different, it's almost when I talk to my friends in the NFL and we talk defense together, 
it's almost a different game. Yeah. I mean, because the quarterback in the NFL, they're going to run it in big moments or in the red zone or on third down yeah. or in a championship game, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't do that week in and week out. Yeah. And you got to account for an extra guy. Yeah. So you got to change. Yeah. Um, and those are, and then you can go, I, I joke sometimes unbalanced. It's, you can't do that in the NFL. It's like yeah. we're defending unbalanced formations. There's a field and a boundary. Yeah. in college football where in the NFL the ball's in the middle of the field the whole game yeah. it's a different game yeah. um, and it's been fun to, to follow it here's what I'm hearing Jason I'm hearing aggressive and I'm hearing adaptable two things that I think Packers fans have been salivating for from their defense fair or unfair well I mean what what defensive coordinator ever says we're going to be passive we're going <laughs> to really not try to get after people you know we're just going to let the offense come to us. So, you know, every one of these guys that interviewed, I'm sure, talked about how aggressive they were going to be. Now, I do think that an aggressive approach is what LeFleur is looking for because the Vic Fangio scheme, which is what Joe Barry ran to some degree, obviously was predicated on playing that umbrella and keeping everything in front of you and forcing teams to go 10, 12 plays down the field without making mistakes. And it had been in vogue for a while because it was effective against the Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Zach Taylor, all these uh, coaches that run variations of the Shanahan scheme. But I think we found that that has kind of run its course, and now other schemes have kind of become – more popular because you you have to get after the quarterback. You can't sit back. Um, look, this one of the biggest influences on Jeff Halfley is Robert Sala, and you know he spent two three years in San Francisco. I think that had a big impact on him, and I think obviously with Matt Lafleur, you know, not only being close with Sala, but Matt Lafleur's brother was in San Francisco during that time. Adam Stenovich was in San Francisco during that time. You know, he obviously wants something that is different than what they have run in the past. And that's why he interviewed the Baltimore guys. Uh, that's why Halfley got the job. So, I, yeah, aggressive's great. Um, you know, listening to that clip, I, don't, I still don't know if I – you feel like you have a good idea of what he's going to run in the NFL? Uh, I heard a lot of him explaining what he ran at – Boston College. I'm not sure I'm as clear on what he plans to do here. So I look forward to when we get to talk to him and get to ask him kind of what his base philosophy is for playing defense in the NFL. Well, Jason, just from listening to that clip and going through and seeing where they have deficiencies to play that, I can tell you if they're playing single high safety, they don't have a safety that can come up and support the run or cover someone man to man. Uh, I don't know if the Ballantyne brothers can be left out on an island, and I don't know if they can create pressure with the four that they have. Uh, would you agree with yeah, that? I agree with everything you said, and, and the safety part, you know, the idea of playing single high safety with, uh, who do they have under contract? They have Anthony Johnson under contract, uh, and they have Benny Sapp third under contract right now. Safety, oh, Benny. Right? They, who doesn't love Benny? And I like Benny. I like Benny. I did tell Benny that um, I, don't, I, I, I enjoyed getting to know him, but he's the first player I've ever covered 
and I, that I've finally reached the point now where I've interviewed both his dad and him, and that was uh, tough for me to handle because it meant that I'm really old. So, <laughs> look, they've got they've got a lot of things to figure out on that side of the ball, and you know, I don't. My personal opinion, and I know this makes me boring and makes me bad at this job and everything else, but like, who the hell knows? Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows if this is a great hire. Nobody knows if this is a crummy hire. You know, I saw there were a lot of reaction of be- people being underwhelmed by this hiring. I-, I get it, right? I mean, this is not. Halfley has not been. What's interesting is he's been a head coach for four years at the college level. He's never been a coordinator by himself at any level, right? Like he's he's not he was the co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State in 2019. Correct. That was his title. I mean, again, that doesn't mean that he's not going to come in and do a great job and figure out the system. And you know, I will say this: Lafleur, and he he mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. He is a really really big believer in chemistry on your staff. Now, you know, Tausch likes to bring up Abraham Lincoln because I. I don't know if he's reading the book currently or if he read it previously, but the team of rivals and how Lincoln wanted people who disagreed with him. And I'm not saying that Matt LaFleur doesn't want people who disagree because I'm sure that they have some spirited debates on his staff. But I do think that this factored in as far as, you know, you bring in somebody. And I, I, I don't mean to pick on Wink Martindale, because uh, I really enjoyed all of his work on the various game shows in my youth. <laughs> but this is a guy who, obviously, there was a major schism between him and Brian Dable, right, in with the Giants. The and, and two years ago, the Ravens moved on from him and John Harbaugh, right? And so I, I don't, like, I'm just using him as an example. I don't think Matt LaFleur necessarily wanted someone who was going to be difficult to work with. And you can, you know, McCarthy's old saying about uh, you can disagree, but don't be disagreeable. I, I do think that a guy that Lafleur has obviously known for a while, I, I mentioned in my story, there's a, a Boston Globe story about the draft in 2020 when Halfley just got to BC and him talking about how happy he was for A.J. Dillon to be drafted and saying, you know, I didn't get to coach him, but I'm really excited for him. And in there, it, it references that Halfley and, and Matt LaFleur are friends. So obviously there's a history there. Obviously LaFleur has multiple people who worked with him and know him. And I think he felt like from a chemistry perspective, this was probably a good fit. Now the question is, what are they going to run? How effectively are, gonna, are they going to run it? And who are they going to have? playing remember this defense needs for 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 as much as we talk about they've got eight first round picks eight first round picks this defense needs an infusion of talent much like they got on the offensive side of the ball in last year's draft just a little bit of housekeeping here as we are listening to jason wilde um the the breaking news yesterday of course that they hired a defensive coordinator we have been getting a lot of comments from our loyal listeners saying that the stream was down on our espn milwaukee app on the espn app we are told it is fixed now remember you can always listen to the show on the streaming youtube feed and also on twitter as well go ahead gabe so the one thing I heard in the clip, Jason, was he's talking about four down linemen, and Chewy correctly uh-huh. pointed out to me that there are. I, I thought 
barely anybody was running 4-3. I thought everybody was running 3-4 in the NFL. But there aren't. There are a lot of teams running 4-3. In the, you, know, you start digging into it, the people that he mentioned, the people that have mentored him, the Salas when he was out in San Francisco, those are 4-3s. I don't think the Packers uh-huh. have that personnel right now. Could we see a shift the way that they had to shift to a 3-4 when they hired Dom Capers back in 9 Could they potentially start to shift to a 4-3 now with the new hire in Jeff Halfley? So, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, uh, but some uh, beat writer uh, a couple of months ago was pointing out that they only had two down linemen on the field for yeah, run play. They, they consider and, the outside uh, linebackers. But, Jason, like I, everybody knows that there's a difference between an outside linebacker and a 3-4 and a defensive end in 4-3. We had to live it with Aaron Campman back in 09. Also, I don't we remember did. that because I men in blacked it from my memory. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I wish I wish I had done that. No, it was uh, again to Matt Lafleur's credit, he then went out of his way and called me and apologized. No, it was fine. But my point is, is that, and you'll hear Lafleur say this. You'll hear a bunch of coaches say this. The base defense in the NFL in 2024 is nickel. Right, Chewy? Like, yes, they, yes they, it is. There's no way during your time that any defense has played nickel to the degree that they no. do. I mean, there was a time, if I remember correctly, when you guys, the nickel that you brought in was Mike Pryor. Which, yeah. I mean, the idea of bringing in a slow, old safety as your nickel, yeah. like, that's a diff, like, that's why I always tease you and say, you know, you had a great time playing with Don Hudson. Like, it's just yeah. a different game. And so I, I don't think it's as huge of a thing, Gabe. You're exactly right. You make a really good point. It is definitely different. Now, I am curious what they will do with Lucas Van Ness, with Preston Smith, who is under contract, but, you know, I'm not 100% sure he'll be back, with Rashawn Gary, because Preston Smith is a big dude. Preston Smith can be a 4-3 defensive end. Without a doubt. Wouldn't you agree? 100%. Uh, Lucas Van Ness played all across Iowa's defensive line, including inside as a hand-in-the-dirt down lineman. Now, when I look at Rashawn Gary in the five years, and and I'm not, like, uh, ogling him in the locker room constantly, in part because he doesn't come in by us very often when we're in there, but he has transformed his body. Like, he, he was a big, um, maybe not as svelte dude when he came in in 19. And now he is a lot lighter than he was as a rookie because he had had his hand in the dirt at Michigan. Mm-hmm. So now my question with him, who you paid, what, $96 million or whatever. He was quite a bit. Uh, like, uh, are, are you going, is he going to put weight back on? Like, what is their intention with him? And, and frankly, if we're being honest, you know, I still – I give him a slight pass because he had the ACL the year before. So I, I still think to judge him solely on what he did this year, you and I agree he did not do enough. If you are an elite pass rusher, you cannot have nine sacks and have six of them in two games. You just can't. But I was curious to see what he was going to be in 2024. Now I'm really curious – because in this system, I'm eager to see how they utilize him. And I'm not saying that they're going to put a bunch of weight on him. But he, one of his, I would argue, weaknesses is he's not great at, at holding the edge against no. the run. No. And so, so I'm really eager to see how this affects him because he is obviously, they have paid him as a cornerstone player. 
So now I'm eager to see how he fits into the system because they will fit him into the system. It's not like they're going to say, well, you know, we're running a 4-3 now. This isn't going to work with him. So, uh, again, there's a lot this, we found out about this. I mean, I was on hold with Chris Larson getting ready to go on the Homer Hour last night, and I got a text that said they got their guy. And then the whole world blew up and Pete Thamel had, had so it guy. Was, and so it was full sentences because we were communicating with, like, <laughs> one words in our text message. Like, when Jen first texted us Packers Thamel, I had no idea what was going on. Like, oh, what's going on with Pete? Pete, Pete take a job and he's going to be writing stuff with Wes Hotquits now? To be fair, I certainly could have phrased it more clearly, clearer. Packers was the first text. Thamel was the second text. Halfley was the third text. You saved. I mean, that should have been the, you buried the lead. To be fair. Halfley should have been one. I was much more familiar with the Packers <laughs> and Thamel. Jason. And I was like. Who is Thamel Halfley? That is a great first name, Thamel. I've never heard of that before. Yes, to, to, to be fair, Halfley was the third word, yes. uh, which, you know, Packers hired Jeff Halfley as defensive coordinator. You actually get Halfley earlier in the succession of words the way Jen did it. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate you. We do have Pete Thamel coming up in about 10 minutes here on the show. He'll hopefully give us some of the backstory of that and also dive into this trend that we are seeing of college football coaches seeking refuge in the NFL. I think it's a fascinating dynamic that you are seeing, and it's sort of a changing of what we were used to. Guys, we're always starting in college and then kind of looking, or I'm sorry, starting in the NFL. You know what? Never mind. You know what I'm trying to say. There's guys now who think that the NFL game is easier to coach, and so they are going there for a better quality of life. It's making it sense is. why you were just texting one word, one word. now. I'm so yeah. much better it's with making, just one word. It's making more sense It's like now. a password game, you know, where you're like... Cat. <laughs> Whiskers. <laughs> anyway, Jason, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. Great to be on 25 words or less with Meredith. Vieira. I appreciate being on. Take care. He's be Jason Wilde. You can hear him on Wilde and Tausch right after Jen, Gabe, and Chewy each and every weekday and on a myriad of programs all over our station. Okay, let's take a break. We'll reset. We'll talk a little more about Halfley. We'll get ready for Pete Thamel coming up at 745 here on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. You know how much I love Palermo's because Palermo's is Wisconsin's hometown pizza. And the great thing about Palermo's is they have so many different pizzas and they have one for your taste. I mean, whether we're talking about Palermo's, Urban Pie, Connie's, Surfer Boy Pizza, Screaming Sicilian, they'll have something, whatever you're looking for, and maybe you have different tastes within your family. You can get those different uh brands of pizza in your local grocer's freezer aisle. Whether you're looking for that great crust with Screamin' Sicilian or maybe something a little more artisan with Urban Pie. Personally, I love the crust of the neighborhood pizzeria, so that's the one I make sure I always have in my freezer. But my wife likes a little thinner crust. I go to the Screamin' Sicilian, thin and crispy, and she absolutely loves it. And you can be doing this as well because Palermo's, it's made right here in Wisconsin. They've been doing it for 60 years. Years. Find them in the grocer's frozen food aisle. Palermo's flavor flavor is our family's business. This is Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Did you know that I, fact, though? No, I didn't. You didn't know that fact? Is that just no. a fact, Brig? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what Chewy does. <laughs> Chewy knows the most facts of anyone on the show. <laughs> he also knows the most fiction. On 94.5 ESPN.
Just over here listening to a clip from the 33rd team talking about why NFL defenses are using big nickel packages more often. That in part because of the conversation we just had with Jason Wilde. If you missed any of that, you can find it on Wisconsin On Demand. Remember, if you're having app issues, if you're having stream issues, you can always listen to us on the YouTube page, ESPN Milwaukee's YouTube page, where Jen, Gabe, and Chewy streams every single day. We've also got it on our Jen, Gabe, and Chewy Twitter account. We've got Pete Thamel coming up in about five minutes here. But Chew, I do want to talk a little bit about this defensive philosophy, right? And Halfley said in that clip that we heard that he does like to play the middle close with that safety. Do you think that means he's going to be playing big nickel as well? Three safeties, two corners? Well, the reason that is why it's become a base defense is because, and I believe he said in the clip, that the quarterback is a viable runner now. Now, back in the day, um, they would bring a safety up in the box. When I played, quarterbacks didn't really think about running. So then you're down one player. That's why you cannot run the ball if you're outnumbered in the box. Now that the quarterback is a viable runner, that nickel or whoever they're walking up is accounted for. That's why it's so dangerous. Now, to the 3-4-4-3, and, and you know, we've talked about it before, why in the hell is Preston Smith on a receiver or, or things like that? When you're playing a 3-4, okay, and you rush five, that's considered a blitz. Okay, that's considered a blitz. The problem is, like on first down, first and 10, when Preston Smith or Rashawn Gary have to drop into coverage because they don't want to technically call it a blitz, that's a liability. And how offenses attack that, okay, they look at weak links, right? So when we played Dallas and they were going to stick Dion on Robert Brooks, Robert, sorry, but you're clearing out the whole game. That's just the way it goes. And then you look for the weak link, and then you attack that. So teams are smart, man. They're no, they know, like, all right, they have to drop Preston Smith into coverage here on first down, and, and that that is a huge problem. 3-4 is better against the run than a 4-3, which is kind of weird because they suck against the run. Yeah, they're terrible against the run. And even right. if you're going in nickel and taking one of those, I, I mean, and again, this was probably just a Joe Barry thing. I, I just remember those guys standing up, even though they're down linemen, whether it was Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary on the edge, they're just so far outside. Yeah. And just so easy to kick them out. I, I guess I would like things to be a little bit more condensed. And look, I understand in today's NFL, there's probably not going to be a huge difference, but. Yeah. At the same time, Chew, like if you're putting these guys' hands in the dirt and, and you're going to be asking Rashawn Gary to be setting the edge a little bit more, like this is something that to me is going to be worth keeping an eye on this offseason. Is he going to be putting on weight? Are they going to ask what? What are they going to be asking him to do in yeah. this new philosophy? And, and now, Gabe, a four-three conversely is not great against the run because it affords you to combination block with, uh, say, tight end and tackle. So now, the secondary level. I can carry the tight end into the tackle, and it was always said, bring ideally, bring level one to level two. It's just not as good against the run because initially you're getting pushed with two guys on a defensive end and then falling off onto the linebacker. When you play a 3-4 against the run, it's more man-on-man. It's man-on-man. I tell you so, what, you it's a lot tougher from a personnel standpoint. And we have talked about this a little bit. We were kind of holding off on having the full conversation until we knew who the defensive coordinator was going to be and what their scheme would be. But I am very, very, very confident 
that the Packers will be drafting a safety. Yes. Or two this year just to start supplementing that position, especially if this is going to be Halfley's philosophy. Vegas ain't taking odds on two things. One, the Packers are drafting a safety. <laughs> B, yeah. they're, they're going defense in the first to round. To be even like more Vegas specific, is... they want a center fielder probably. Yeah. From everything we know about him. Well, like a well, Earl Thomas think type of guy. Obviously, that's the highest end. But the Packers haven't had one of those guys in a really long time. No, in the, in the influx of tight ends into this league where they're catching so many balls, you have to have a way to defend them. And the way to defend them is to have a Leroy Butler type where – Leroy it can do so many things. All right. He's solid against uh, the run, and he can cover a tight end. All right, so from what I gather, we're looking for Earl Thomas and Leroy Butler and trying to add him to the defense. Yeah. If we find those Adderley guys. Two. Or, or, or a nice. combination of <laughs> yeah. the two, right? I mean, if you could just hybrid those guys, we could but, just but, pluck but, some DNA from both and create a super safe. I mean, in, if in we're the, out there, let's find Reggie too, man. But, but in the San Francisco <laughs> game, you saw it both ways. Darnell Savage can't come up and stop the run. McCaffrey runs right by him. And then Kittle, who you'd like to have a safety that can cover a tight end man-to-man, gets fried. So that should be enough. That film should be enough to say, hey, let's consider one in the first round. We will take a look as the morning goes on at some of the best safeties in this year's NFL draft class. Oh, See I if thought we were just going to keep going through NFL history. Are a good combination of these players y'all have decided you want for that top pick. We have Pete Thamel coming up, so we have to take a break here. We're going to ask Pete about the process. How in the how in the world did Jeff Halfley end up as the defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers? That's next. It's Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. So, right? Yeah. Kind of like a, oof. Like, mm-hmm. just, instead of a, huh. Yeah. But that's all part of you taking the I'm training law. I do, but it's just such funny noises. Did this get sexual or something? <laughs> I don't know about it. What the hell just happened? On 94.5 ESPN. Despite my inability to articulate the news yesterday when it broke, Pete Thamel did let us know that Boston College coach Jeff Halfley was taking over the defensive coordinator responsibilities of the Green Bay Packers. And we are joined now by Pete Thamel, who on our little show, College Game Day, we call The Authority. First and foremost, Pete, I guess I've never asked you, do you like the nickname The Authority? You certainly are The Authority on all things college football. I like your nicknames better, Jen. The uh, what is it? The gr- the Grim Griefer? Is that the, is that the one they gave you? <laughs> Dang it, Pete! <laughs> well, this is the first we're hearing of these, Pete. Yes. Yeah, the Grim Griefer. Oh no, Jen makes us all cry. I can't even like listen to her stories because they're so poignant and powerful. I have to during the, during the show because I have to concentrate on some random Arkansas cornerback not playing because of an ankle sprain. She just makes it. You look up on the set and everyone's crying. They're like, oh, God, it's Jen again. (laughs) We call her Jen Sada. That's not bad. You know them all. You know them all, Jen. Is is it the Grim Griefer? That's a pretty good one. one? Yep, Jen Sada is another one. The Crying Queen is something we came up with here on... uh, on Jen, okay. Gabe, and Chewy as well. So yes, a uh, bit of a bit of a dual personality, if you will. Uh, we don't do that very often here <laughs> on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Sure. What, what was your reaction yesterday when you started to catch wind of Jeff Halfley moving from Boston College to Green Bay, Wisconsin? So I have like a totally different prism through which I look at something like this uh, for college football, which which I spend my days in. Uh, 
it's really, I think, a, an interesting moment in time. Uh, it's the third sitting head coach in this cycle to leave on his own volition to become a coordinator somewhere else. Uh, coach at Buffalo and South Alabama both went to Alabama as coordinators. And I saw this as a, a really interesting move in the college football industry that shows the sort of yawning gap between the between the top and the rest. And you see the Power 2 pulling away. You see a league like the ACC that will be 17 teams next year. BC certainly uh, entrenched in the bottom third of that in terms of resources investment. So I just think it's it's a bit of the way of the world. And then when I talk to some folks uh, around Jeff Halfley, um, just in, in you know being in Mobile uh, at, the, at the Senior Bowl when this broke and talking to a ton of college coaches down there, every single one of them wants to go to the NFL. Um, it's just sort of, a, I think, a, a, a snapshot of the times that we're in in college football, these uncertain times, NIL, you know, you got uh, NC investigations into NIL. Nobody nobody knows the rules. Nobody understands the rules. Everyone everyone knows it's broken. Nobody knows how to fix it. So I just think it, it, it was, to me, that was my reaction. It was like, wow, this is a sitting head coach leaving, you know, what has long been a very solid, consistent job because of, you know, some of the instability in the college football marketplace. Pete, I played at Boston College years ago and would have taken seven and sure. six all day long. Was, was he considered? <laughs> was he considered to have done a, a good job there? So it, yes, I think he did a good job there. Uh, they were bowl eligible three or four years, which uh, you would have probably taken, right? Oh yes, I had never went to a bowl. During, <laughs> really? Wow. Well, I got my guy, though. Um, so, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and Pete, you need yeah. to know, for Chu, that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, you know, he, he, did a, he did a nice job. Took over after the 2019 season, so he starts in COVID, and it was all a little muddy. They, they could have gone to a bowl game the COVID year. They decided not to, as a lot of teams did, just because that season was kind of all, a long slog for, for everybody, just like it was in society, right? And then uh, – 21, they had a bowl game canceled because of COVID. They were there to go play, I think, the military bowl. They were bad in 22. They were 3-9. and nine. And then last year they had a nice season. They went 7-6. and six. They beat ranked SMU. They were – and they, they found a quarterback, um, which is always sort of the, the, the vexing piece, uh, in Thomas Castellanos, who was a transfer who uh, really started taking reps uh, early in September. He didn't start right off the bat. And, uh, you know, they had, they had a nice year. They, they have a nice nucleus coming back. Um, what Jeff Hafley did do definitively there was turn them around defensively, and I, and I don't have all the all the numbers off the top of my head, but they they immediately leapt up a, a few seasons. They had really really high end pass defenses, and if there's a hallmark of, of Jeff Hafley from his time as the DC at Ohio State in '19 to the seven years he spent in the NFL, he, he's viewed as a very strong uh, secondary mind, defensive mind. Uh, I saw some comments uh, last night from Richard Sherman. Uh, about Halfley. He's a connector with players. He's a high-energy guy. He, he did a lot of good work in the community in Boston and uh, did a pretty solid job. Uh, they, you know, they have not won nine games there since Matt Ryan was the quarterback, and uh, he, won, he won seven last year and had them on a, uh, on, a, on a solid trajectory. So you said you're at the Senior Bowl, and the one thing I've heard with a lot of the different clips and, and different things that I've read, and we've heard about Jeff Halfley, you mentioned the secondary thing. The Packers are, to put it nicely, weak at safety. Who are some of the maybe safeties that are down at the Senior Bowl or some safeties Packers fans could keep their eye on for the 2024 NFL Draft? 
That's just a terrible question that puts me on the spot. Um, <laughs> I thought maybe you play at the Senior Bowl a, and whatnot. You might have some names. Yeah, this is a, no, no. I'm, I'm joking. This, this is a terrible safety class. It is a bad year to be an NFL franchise that needs safety. I was actually talking to uh, 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 Arias. Breaking my heart, safety crop. Excuse me, Pete. You're breaking my yeah. heart. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. No. Um, there's a kid out of Washington State who's not bad. The the there's a safety from Utah. There's a couple guys, but like. And again, you're not going to use a first-round pick on a safety, right? That, that that just doesn't happen the way teams spend draft capital. But um, there aren't a lot of answers. This is if you, if you ask me which position is weakest in this NFL draft, I would probably give you the answer of safety. It's just not a, it's just not a, it's just not a strong crop crop this year. Pete Thamel hanging out with us here on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. We're talking about Jeff Halfley being hired as the Packers defensive coordinator. So how do you catch wind of this, Pete? I know you're in the college football space, and obviously he was a college football coach. Is this an is this agents start percolating? Is it you catch wind that the interviews? Because i got to be honest with you, Halfley was on no one's list. We have lists here sure. in Wisconsin of like people that we knew were being interviewed by Matt LaFleur and company up in Green Bay. Halfley was not, and frankly, as Gabe mentioned earlier in the show, he wasn't on any list. Yes, you know, he, he has been sought after the past couple seasons for defensive coordinator jobs. This isn't the first NFL franchise who's, uh, who's come after Jeff Halfley. There was even one, one franchise two or three years ago that looked at him to be the head coach. Um, it didn't get far down the road. So he, he's been, again, is he a coveted guy like teams are fighting for him? No, but he's a guy whose names emerge. What, what happens with these lists is that the college head coaches don't tend to be on the lists because if it got out that Jeff Halfley was interviewing for the Packers job, for example, it would undercut BC recruiting. Like It's hard for head coaches to move, and that's why when head coaches like this do move, it happens quietly and quickly. So, um, you know, th- this was like – but it wasn't something like done – in a vacuum or, you know, they, he went through a formal interview process and, uh, you know, I don't know much about the Packers and their interview process. I know if they talk to, it's just not, it's just not my world, but this wasn't, uh, it wasn't some kind of inside job. They went through, they went through a formal process, talked to a bunch of people and, and, and landed on, uh, landed on Jeff and all of this sort of, uh, unfolded over the past few days. Pete, do you think we're going to see more of this college uh, coaches jumping to the NFL? Because Halfley did mention that that the landscape of college football has become much more difficult difficult with NIL and the transfer portal. Uh, It's no longer just recruiting high school kids. Do you think we're going to see more of this down the line? Absolutely. Uh, just being at the Senior Bowl, you know, probably ran into 40, 50 college coaches. And uh, other than, like, the high, high-end head coaches, every single guy. Hey, hey, you hearing about anything in the NFL? Hey, hey. I mean, it's, 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 it's chaos. And, and, again, I want to be really clear about this. Like, I am not against players getting paid. They should have been long overdue that they're compensated. Um, and, and, and I don't want to limit that in any way. But, like, there, there also just has to be rules. And there really aren't any rules right now. And as the the uh, attorney generals or attorneys general, I guess, lawsuit from Virginia and Tennessee indicated yesterday, like the actual rules that govern name, image, and likeness are essentially intellectually dishonest. They're they basically say you can you know you can give kids nil, but you can't use nil as a recruiting inducement, which is just a farce. It's just not going to happen that way. It offends, it strains credulity, it offends common sense, and so. You're just operating in a structure that is completely broken. Everyone knows it needs to change. No one knows how to change it or how it's going to change. And the, the, the cycle and the spiral that 
college athletics are in administratively right now is that the rules are being dictated by courts, labor relations boards, uh, you know, uh, justices, and that they're not judges rulings. They're not being dictated by the actual leadership. And, you know, there was hope that that could change with Charlie Baker taking over. I think there's still some hope, but uh, the, the, the leadership vacuum in college athletics the last two decades has just led us to this inflection point right now and uh it's a really it's a really interesting time so that's a very long-winded and not that interesting way to say all these college coaches are like get me the hell out of here they want to work in a professional environment Hmm. oh yeah like that is a that is a very real prevailing pervasive feeling amid college football coaches right now yeah, that's what we're hearing pretty regularly in the college football space. Uh, Pete, I just want to put you on the spot here real quick again. <laughs> yeah, please do. Please yeah, I mean, do. Yeah, we, I did it the first Any time. long snappers? Yeah. Actually, Chewie used to long snappers. I did. We, we do have it. No, I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts as Jen Latta, as a colleague, because the, the way we see her on television is very, very different than the person we get here in the studio when she's doing this five days a week. Sure. And I have no concept of the, what she does in, in Milwaukee, but as a colleague, she is an elite colleague. Uh, nobody has a better collection of pants than Jen Lana. Um, I often say her pants should have their own Instagram account because they, uh, you know, when we're in the pre-dawn darkness in Eugene, Oregon, I come in and walk in and see Jen's like purple pants. They, uh, they, they wake me up. Uh, they wake me up immediately. But uh, Jen always, always high energy, oftentimes crushing Celsius and, okay. uh, Despite bringing us down on the air with the sad stories around college football, she is a she is an energy giver in the uh, in and around the meeting room. So we, okay, about the only crossover there is Celsius. <laughs> like that's like the only yeah. crossover. You're talking about pants. I don't know if I've seen her wear anything but sweatpants ever. I know we'd like oh. for her to shower before uh, she comes on the air. That'd be nice. <laughs> Oh, Pete family, you're the best. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning on Jen, Game, and Chewy. Uh, I always say I don't really like, it's like I have two families, right? Like there's my game day family and then there's my Jen, Game, and Chewy family. And I don't want the families to meet. But every once in a while there's a bit of a crossover. Which which one of us is the side family? I think you know, Gabe. (laughs) Pete, have a great one. Enjoy the Senior Bowl. We'll talk to you soon. Jen, appreciate you. Glad to be in one of your families. Take care. <laughs> He's Pete Thamel. Hangs out with us on College Game Day, headed down to the Senior Bowl to scout talent and talk to all of the movers and the shakers, and we are happy he took a little bit of time to chat with us. All right. He does talk about a very interesting concept and dynamic that is occurring between the NFL and college football. We will get into that as the show rolls on in the second hour in about two minutes.